Hey there, so today I interview Brett Curry, who's the founder of OMG Commerce. His agency has run ads for some of the biggest direct-to-consumer brands on the planet, including Native Deodorant, which was sold to Procter & Gamble for $100 million cash. We talk about what it's like managing ads for a $300 billion company, his experience building an agency over the past 21 years, and even what it's like to do all of this with eight kids. All right, thanks, Brett. So. What I want to know is a little more about, you know, your current business because you, I don't remember how exactly we met originally, but I know we've touched base at Ezra's event. You've spoken at our event in the past. Um, you've worked with a lot of really cool brands through your agency. Um, what is, what's like the, you know, 20 second overview of what your agency does? Yeah, a great question. I, I do think we met through Ezra first. I think he's the one that made the the intro. And then, yeah, we connected at Blue Ribbon and I've spoken at SellerCon, which has been awesome. So we're a performance marketing agency and we primarily help D2C brands grow through Google and YouTube and that ecosystem, retention marketing like email and SMS, and then uh, Amazon. So in the Walmart marketplace, but mostly Amazon, we're full service on the Amazon side. And so we really exist to help accelerate growth for great brands. So take a good brand. We want to help, you know, pour fuel on the fire, so to speak, of growth. Yeah. And so I was just kind of poking around on your website. And so these are all brands you're public about. I'm sure there's other brands that maybe you yeah. can't or don't want to talk about, which is totally fine. Um, but there's, you know, you've worked with Boom, which is Ezra's businesses that he you know, exited uh, at least partially. And then I saw Native on there and a handful of other ones. And then Groove Rings, which, you know, we both know, Peter, massive business that a lot of people probably don't even realize. Do you still work with Native after post-acquisition? Still work with Native, yeah. So first connected with Moise Ali, the founder, super smart guy. Yeah. Uh, he has since, you know, moved on. Uh, sold to P&G, so we were kind of there during the transition, which for other agency friends that are listening, you know, those the transition of ownership or the transition of the marketing team. A lot of agencies don't survive that. We, we, we've definitely ended up on the uh, cutting room floor, so to speak, whenever there's that transition. But uh, we were able to win over the folks at P&G. And so I, th I think we're like three and a half years strong of working directly with P&G. And that's been super fun because we, so we manage all the Google, all the YouTube. Uh, we, we partner with folks like Raindrop, who they do some of their, their creative work. Um, helped, you, you know, we were with Native when it was just deodorant and then they added toothpaste and they added hair care and now sun care and they're adding more. And um, so it's been really fun to see that evolve. And then we've also, you know, worked on strategies for direct to consumer sales. So of course, you know, sales on their Shopify store, but also using Google and YouTube to drive in-store sales. And, you know, one of the big pushes when they was when they first got into Target and they, they, yeah. they were like, hey, the sell through is going to be important. So we're going to ramp up exposure in these markets to try to get more folks into Target. And so, so that's that's been fun, kind of doing the you know, pushing brick and mortar, but also, of course, growing online, online sales yeah. as well. I actually buy their products at CVS because I'm like, yeah, I'm still like last minute with sometimes. I'll be literally out of deodorant. <laughs> and I'm like, I just need to go to CVS. <laughs> so I'll go get their stuff. Um, exactly. So just so anybody who doesn't know, you know, Native sold for, from, from what the article say, $100 million basically cash to, to Procter yeah. & Gamble. Um, pretty insane, which is why I was kind of curious about that. Uh, After just a handful of years, and yeah. I think I don't remember what the team was like when we first started. The team size was like when we first started working with Native, but I think when Native, when Moyes first inked the deal, he had like eight people on the team or ten people on the team. Just insane, Crazy. insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what? So what? What has been the biggest difference um, going from you know kind of businesses that I'm familiar with? You know, you've got somebody that's 
knows the online marketing, they put together a good product, they built the sales funnels, they've done all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm kind of more familiar with like what an agency would be like working with that kind of business, but then immediately transitioning over into like, now you're working for this kind of massive company that owns this brand. Like what's been the biggest difference there? Yeah, um, the speed of change has has definitely been different. You know, in, in the early days, we could talk to Moyes or, or talk to uh, kind of his assistant and just, you know, get decisions made. Like, Hey, we want to do this. We want to test this great day to do it, you know? Uh, and, and now it's, it's not like super slow or anything. It's just, there, there are sometimes layers, you know, that you gotta, you gotta work through. And, um, and then also the, the, the amount of reports needed. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a, a bigger corporate structure, mm-hmm. you're, you're giving reports to one layer, one group in there just so they can make it to make it easy for them to pass it up two or three layers or whatever, where when it was Moyes, we're just talking to Moyes and, you know, we have a dialogue about something and then we, and then we go. So, yeah. so those have all been different. Um, we had to kind of tone down some of the, some of the ads uh, because, you know, PNG owns other not natural <laughs> brands. And so some yeah. of those brands so you did do not want to. And they also own that brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, we still, obviously still lean into the natural ingredients and stuff. We just had to kind of tone that down, which how, is fine. How yeah. have the budgets changed, if at all? Yeah, so budgets have changed for sure because you know what's interesting about PNG is PNG understands brand marketing. They understand the value of brand. They understand the the value of awareness and impression advertising. Yeah. Knowing that if you can increase the amount of brand recall and the number of people that know about your brand, it's going to pay off. Hmm. Now, I think that's that's only practically true if you've got pretty big budgets and you're, you got huge distribution, right? So, so once native got to kind of where they are now, where they're in all targets, all CVS, all Walgreens, like, you know, everywhere, Walmart, um, and they're online, like now you can, and you got big budgets. Now you can invest in awareness stuff. I think it kind of like still true sort of for a smaller business, but like you're probably going to go broke trying to, you know, make, make sense of what's working or what's not. So So they've definitely invested in awareness. Yeah. How do they kind of, um, met, like how much leeway do they give you to push that? Are they kind of like, here's the budget and it's like, we want this number of impressions or this is what looks good to us, but you got to keep the frequency within some range. Like how do they kind of view that? Yeah. So if it's awareness push, sometimes it is kind of, uh, you know, reach and frequency based and, and sometimes it's, it's geographically based as well. We want to push in these markets uh, for these reasons then for for other other times it's like hey we 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 got this extra budget for this product line for online and and we're then we're just looking at you know blended customer acquisition costs and that that's really what they care about if it, if it if the budget is for online then then they're looking at kind of that blended CAC number blended CPA number and uh, and then it's kind of per product line so to speak and I think that's kind of smart too they kind of have have different team members that are in charge of this product line so right so this person you're responsible for for growing uh, sun care. And so so OMG is the agency behind all of it, but there, there's like, you know, uh, to use an Amazon term, like single threaded leader or whatever, like they're in charge of this this product line. And so they're very motivated to get sales up for that, for that product line. And so we support that. So then sometimes they get more budget for one product or another, that type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious, you know, uh, we've had a lot of people that have been through our program that have, you know, maybe they built their e-commerce businesses, maybe they kind of, you know, shifted gears a little bit. And at some point, you know, <laughs> we've had some that have built their own agencies. 
So I'm very curious to hear your take on, you know, building, running agencies. That's something I've never really got to talk with many people about because most people don't do it. And I feel like we've dabbled in that just a tiny bit, but it's like, we've always been like, this takes a special person and we're not that special person. And so for <laughs> yeah. you, like, why, why did you build an agency to begin with? Like, what was that path like? Yeah, it, it's so great. I, uh, and not everybody's cut out for the agency world, right? I, I kind of feel, uh, I think some people feel the same way about like hospitality as an example, right? Like who would ever want to own a hotel or like work in a hotel? Sounds awful. Yeah. But some people love that, right? Some people are just kind of geared to make that work. I've always loved great brands. I've always loved kind of the story behind brands and the story behind great products. And, and, I, and I've, I'm, I've got creativity in certain ways. I can see connections. I can, I can uh, kind of form strategies and stuff. But I'm not really good at like inventing things or, or coming up with a, the, a brand new brand idea. And so I think from that perspective, like running an agency has always been a good fit for me. And then I, I like client work. I, I like working with people. I, I can handle the the messy side of people and uh, you see the good, the bad and the ugly definitely with, with client work. Uh, it's much more professional and much more like intimate and close, but it's almost like, you know, are you, are, are you fit to work in retail where you're talking to customers all the time? Uh, or do you want to be behind the scenes and not talking to people? Yeah. So we'll talk to your team. I like people and I, and I like um, working with brand owners and stuff. I don't actually work that much with, with brand <laughs> owners. Now I'm mostly working with my team, but mm-hmm. select, uh, larger clients also get get plugged in and involved in stuff. So I've always just, I've enjoyed the process and I've enjoyed kind of teaching, training, helping my team become really good at client care and really good at strategy and really good at reporting and just kind of all those things that are important to a, a brand, what they want from an agency. So I love it. I love the agency life. I've seen you myself do doing this for a long time. So what'd you do before the agency? Yeah, so I actually worked in media. So, so I was I was in radio sales uh, in college. Got a marketing degree. It's actually like poli sci, and then got a job at a radio station. Always, I always loved ads. Um, got a job at a radio station. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And so I switched my major. Got a, got a degree in marketing, and uh, started a, like a small agency right out of college. Like broke. I was already married, uh, but I, I had connections in the business world. And so I started running people's like TV and radio and print, like local <laughs> car dealerships, um, local restaurants, stuff like that. Um, built a little business there, learned online marketing, and then, you know, kind of took off from there. And around, around what kind of, what year was that? <laughs> so I started the agency in 2002. So some bit of a, an old school guy, as far as that goes. And then, uh, was working with this printing company and they sold like, uh, business cards online, right? Business cards and brochures. And uh, they were paying me to do some marketing. And then they were like, hey, do you know SEO? This was like 2004. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't know SEO, but it sounds awesome. So like, hey, we'll pay you to learn it. So I learned SEO and uh, I was able to, using some questionable tactics, uh, mostly ab- stuff that doesn't work now. It's mostly above board. It wasn't anything like too nefarious. But I got them to page one for the search term brochures. And when that happened, I was like, I was ecstatic. I was like telling my friends about SEO. It was, I I learned they didn't care. They were like, this sounds wicked boring. But to me, it was like (laughs) the most exciting thing in the world. And so that kind of started my path on search engine marketing. And then, because I always done TV and video too. Then like once YouTube, like once I figured out YouTube, it was like the marrying of all my worlds, you know, like like a little bit SEO and keyword based stuff plus video. So it all kind of, kind of lined up. That's yeah, that's pretty crazy. You've been doing basically agency work since straight out of college since 2002. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I just I like it. I've got yeah. Ezra's asked me that before too. He's like, dude, why do you like why why not build a bridge? Why are you doing an agency thing? Of course, now Ezra launched an agency. Uh, actually, Molly uh, Pittman did. But yeah, yeah. I think you got to have like a certain mentality, certain demeanor. But uh, to me, it's it's fun. I love the yeah. challenge. I mean, there's there's been agencies that have been built into massive businesses. Like to me, it's just like it's very totally. people intensive. You got to deal with clients, it is. more employees, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, as long as you're able to cross those hurdles, I mean, look at like some of the biggest kind of consulting companies. They're they're kind of essentially agency. They provide like strategic advice and stuff. But right. these are like like Deloitte, multi billion dollar like companies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's one of those things where uh, the, you know the grass is always kind of greener, right? So if yeah. you're a product business, you're like, oh, look at the margins of an agency, or an agency's like. Oh my gosh! Look at my look at my employee cost. Like, I, if I just sold a product, I could. But there there are pros and cons to to each. And yeah, it's it's hard to scale an agency super quickly because it is so labor intensive. So you know our our, our margins are decent, um, but but employee costs are are huge, right? Because it just takes takes people. So, um, but yeah, I, I, again, I just it, it fits my personality, so I, I enjoy it. Yeah. And I was kind of looking at your website. I mean, like if I took the little grid and multiplied and stuff, like your website shows like 56 people on there, but yeah. my guess is you probably got more than that, but how many employees do you have? We now? do. Yeah. So, um, in, in terms of true employees, I think we're like 55 or something like that. And, yeah. and then we do have some freelancers that work really closely with us. They have some other things going on, but we still consider them, you know, part of our team, kind of a core part of our team. And then we just kind of did an aqua hire of um, a 13 person team in the Philippines and they, they work exclusively with us. They're not on the, the website yet. They just help with kind of like technical behind the scenes stuff for Amazon. So we, we've always been U.S. based with like an occasional international uh, freelancer, but now we've now we got the Filipino team. Uh, so like total, we're up to like 73 on the team. Well, and also I guess we have, we have three Canadian uh, team members as well. So, yeah. And how do you, how do you manage all them? Do you use any of like the off the shelf, you know, traction, all that kind of stuff, or you've kind of just like made up your own way to manage all those people? Yeah, it's, it's been a little bit of a combination. Uh, we do like EOS in, in the, 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 so the, the model that's in or the, the operating system that's, that's outlined in traction. We've modified that, you know, we, we've learned a lot from other agencies. We, we partnered with a pretty large development agency and kind of in the early days of OMG learned a lot from them, learned a lot from traction. I also really like, uh, the book scale up by Vern Harnish, uh, some really good, really good stuff there as well. Um, and then, you know, I think, I think a couple of keys for us, I'm also a big Jim Collins fan, you know, getting the right people on the bus and, and looking at the, you know, turning the flywheel. And so we got really good at hiring. We got really good at, at the hiring process of finding out what someone would likely be good for and would they be a good culture fit? And then once we've got them to choose OMG, then then really training them to be superstars. Are, mo are um, most of your people W2? What's that? Are most of your people W2? Most of them are W2. Yeah. So like 52 or 55, whatever that number is, are W2. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, then how, how many do you do like one-on-ones or is yours at this point, you know, you've been doing this 20 years, it's not that formal or is that like yeah. part of your process? You've got certain people that you directly manage, you do one-on-ones or is it kind of ad hoc? So mostly at this point, we, we've got a, a COO, her name is Sarah, and she's fantastic with process, with, you know, keeping the culture, with working with directors you know, mapping out complex things to keep the business running. And so I'm mostly working directly with her. 
I am meeting with all the department directors and, and influencing and training and, you know, I'm a big leadership guy. So I did some leadership training mm-hmm. and then it's still like a strategist at heart. I love, just love marketing strategy. So I'm always pushing us on, Hey, what, what's, what's new? What's next? What, where, where do we need to be thinking? What are we missing? What do we need to be testing, training on things like that? Um, and then I still work with some of the larger clients, but a lot of the day to day, you know, we have, we have department directors, we have a COO. And so I'm helping, you know, a uh, higher level uh, at this point. Yeah. And um, would, would you recommend an agency as a business for somebody to start? Like say, say, you know, say like the people that we talk to the most, like they built an e-commerce business or they've learned how to like sell on Amazon or sell on Shopify or something or other. And they've got an idea of like, Hey, I think I can do part of this thing for other people. Would you recommend it as a business? I, I recommend that. I think if you, if you have like this inkling of it sounds fun, then I think you should do it. If if you have this thought that like, ooh, extra dollars, and that's like the only motivation, but you're kind of thinking, yeah, I don't really like to talk to people. And if someone you know bugs me over the weekend or they they text me late at night a question about their ad account, it's going to destroy my happiness. Uh, then you shouldn't do it. Uh, so if it's just a money play, don't do it. If it's like it's like it can be kind of fun, I think we could execute on this and do it. In fact, I was talking to some some buddies. Um, who run a business that I've, I've done some consulting for for a long time. And, and they reached out and they're like, Hey, I know you do email. Like, would you be offended if we started an email agency? And I'm like, dude, no, just like go for it. This sounds awesome. If you really want to do it. Um, and what I told them was, Hey, you should start with one service, one service, be really, really great at that service. And then see, you know, if you want to grow from there and, and add there. Uh, because what we did, the mistake we made in the beginning of our agency is we tried to do everything website design. We would like, you know, print your postcards for you. I, I knew TV and radio. It's so like, we'll buy your TV and radio. And then we're like, this is never going to scale. So we just went search, like search marketing that only got really great at that scaled with that. And then we started adding pieces. So I, I think that's the way to do it. Like if you think you like an agency life, focus on one thing, become really, really great and then expand from there. Yeah. So then, so then, so that's one thing is like focusing on just like one thing when you first get started, like what are, I'm sure you've seen other people over 20 years now, 20 plus years. Like, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make? I mean, trying to do too many things, I guess is, you know, maybe top of the list, but like, what else do you think people that could have done well with an agency, but they mess up a few pieces and all of a sudden it all goes to hell and they quit and they move on or just never kind of goes anywhere. Yeah. So I, I do think, you know, trying to do too many services can be an issue. However, if you don't have a clear idea up front of what you want to do, you may need to experiment a little bit. But usually, I think if someone's like got, got the agency bug, they probably know, it, but it's related to this one thing. It's Facebook ads, it's email, it's CRO, which we need more CRO uh, agencies out there, by the way. We, we would love to buy a CRO agency. Um, there's just, there, there aren't that many great ones out there. Um, so for conversion rate optimization. So, uh, then I think one of the other mistakes is just not getting really clear on, on who you can serve and who you should serve. Right. So we, we kind of did the same thing. We, we served anybody that would pay us, right? That, that was the, our ideal client profile was anybody who would pay (laughs) us. Um, and that then shifted to e-commerce because we felt like, Man, that there we can deliver the most benefit there. We got great visibility into what's working and what's not. So we're in, in bigger budgets. So we're going all all e-com. But I think that's another way where if you can be, be really clear on here's here's what we're gonna offer, here's who we're going to serve, and then here's why we're different or why we're unique. So what is that 
what is that offering? How are you going to, to stand out there? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of people, they don't really have that, that unique um, identifier there that, or that, that USP, unique selling proposition. For us, it's been, we know Google and we know YouTube and we know it for DSC better than, than anybody, we, we believe. Uh, yeah. And then we're like full channel management on Amazon and we think like business owners, right? So, um, so yeah, I think, I think those, are, those are some of the mistakes for sure. Um, and then yeah, I think some people, they want to get in the agency life, but then they maybe don't know how to build a team or they don't know how to build an agency team. That's a little different than building like a D to C uh, team. Mm-hmm. So you got to also like, no, do you, do you like the idea of agency because you want to be a consultant or do you like the idea of agency because you want to build a team? Cause yeah. those paths are, are quite different. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what do you, what is kind of like the, a good bottom line margin for an agency? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I know some agencies that have mostly overseas teams that are in like the thirty-five to to forty points, right? Which is just like blow your mind. I mean, margin. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how to do. I mean, we're we're in the Midwest, so our like our overhead is pretty low, and and for the most part, you know, local employees, their cost of living is lower, so it's not not the same salary structure as on the coasts. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think if you're in the fifteen to twenty percent, uh, yeah. like net income you're doing pretty darn good like um, after, that, that's after you paid yourself salary exactly and all that. yeah 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 so yeah we're talking like ebitda and and i would look at that you know before before ad backs and stuff like we we would like to be yeah. in that high teens to 20 is what we like to to shoot for okay yeah that's probably similar to like a established e-commerce business you know we yeah. we run we run life boost super lean because we're just like pushing on the gas pedal as hard as we just can growth, growth rate, money. Yeah. So we're like you know low kind of single digits but as the business kind of matures you know right. same kind of thing 15 to 20 percent i think is kind of what you're looking for what you eventually should be able to get to yeah yeah and that's that's where you're like hey you're regardless of what you want to do do you want to do you want to bring on investors do you want to sell do you just want to keep it like in, any of those paths if you're in kind of that 15 to 20 percent like you you've got options i think in some ways we actually were, we were looking at this agency to buy because uh, we're kind of in that mode of like, hey, let's let's look at, you know, if we're going to increase our capacity and, and capabilities, let's just buy some agencies. And there was an agency that was at like 45% margins. We're like, hey, th- that's like too high. That, that's a red flag for us. And if we dug in, it's just because they'd like, they have no capacity for growth. And they, wow. they really didn't even have enough team members to take care of their existing clients. So mm-hmm. it's like that margin's not going to persist. So we need to, to beef up the infrastructure. So probably that 45 is going to go to 25 like that, you know, and then, and then we can maybe scale from there. So have you, have you acquired an agency yet? Cause you seems like an important thing for you. I mean, that you yeah. kind of are focused on. Yeah. It's funny. Like we've been on this journey now talking to agencies, like, um, you know, learning M and a, and so we, we've had kind of two small, Aqua hires is more what I would would call it, um, and they've they've been successful so far. But we're we're actively kind of looking right now, and we've we've got one one deal that's about to be in an LOI uh, status of, of an agency we're looking to acquire. So and you you mentioned uh, like CRO, but is there something else that you're kind of like, yeah something your... else where we're looking? We really want to get into add some more like social capabilities and stuff like that because that's not oh, something okay. we we do and. So, so we're, lo- we're looking at some other things related to that, but CRO is on the, the radar for sure. We just, we don't have, yeah. we're not too far down that, that path yet. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so like chat a little bit about seller combo first, I got to ask, I feel like I always like, just so curious, like 
How many kids do you have? <laughs> yeah. So this this is the thing where people like, you know, this is how I'm, I'm known. Uh, but my wife and I have eight kids. So count them eight. Uh, and no, we're not Amish. We're not like the first online marketing Amish family, not Catholic. Uh, you know, we are faith-based people. But we, we, so we wanted a big family. But we didn't. But eight was never like in the discussions. We just uh, yeah. we just overachieved on that, and so <laughs> not uh, not Mormon, right? Not Mormon. No, no, no. I got lots of friends. Head, I feel like, feel like, I feel like yeah. yeah, I started to doubt it, but I feel like for the first time I met you until maybe like six months a year ago, I thought you were Mormon the whole time. Because <laughs> that's the only way it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm, uh, I used to I did some work with Russell Brunson, you know, back yeah. in, the, in the day, and you know, he's Mormon. So all like all my Mormon friends love me. They're like, you know, you're, you're like you're one of us. <laughs> like living the dream. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but two oldest do not live at home. Uh, my oldest son is in sales. He moved to Florida, and then my oldest daughter she's away at college and so only six only six live at home right now yeah i don't know how you do it you always seem so chill and peaceful and positive <laughs> and like you know we got a, yeah. we got a puppy and i feel like i was gonna lose my mind like we don't have kids <laughs> puppy, they're just kind of yeah. disrupting your whole life it's like i don't know how you do it it's crazy there's chaos under the surface it's mostly because my my wife is a super mom she's amazing but uh, but I like kids, man. I like, I like people. I like kids. So so it's been it's been a good fit for us. But yes, it is insanity for sure. How Our do grocery kinda, bills are insane? Yeah, your what? Oh, grocery bills. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. How do you kind of manage your sort of work around? Because I mean, are you, are you at home right now? Or are you at an office? No, I'm at home. I'm at the office. Yeah. So I mean, even like you know, during the lockdowns and stuff, I'm like, dude, I'm getting to, into the office. This is yeah. This so you've got to work in an so. office with all that going yeah. on. Yeah, there was another guy in the office saying he's got small kids, and he and I were in in the office basically every day. Um, so yeah, I'm in the office most days. Uh, got got a pretty good routine. I'm a, I'm a morning person. I get up early, I work out. You know, kind of kind of get into into the groove uh, because you know my team is built out. You know, I'm not working like insane hours. You know, I'm thinking about the business all the time. So how many hours I actually put in, I don't know. But I'm trying trying to have dinner essentially every night with my family, and unless I'm traveling, which I do a, a, a decent amount for work. But yeah, prioritizing, prioritize and execute to use a Jocko Willink phrase. And then um, just having a good team, good team at the office and good team at home. And, you know, my wife's amazing. Uh, six of those eight kids are girls and our, our oldest girls are like super helpful uh, most of the time. And uh, so we got kind of a buddy system at home, which which helps with the the bigs and the littles. And so, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Systems. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so last kind of thing we want to chat about is that you're going to be speaking at SellerCon, which is our yeah. upcoming event for e-commerce people, building businesses, growing businesses, Amazon, Shopify, because we kind of see this as, as more of an omni-channel approach to building these businesses now, which is in the past, we would have been 100% Amazon. And then there's kind of some downsides to that, goods and positives and negatives. But now it almost makes sense to from the beginning to be thinking kind of multi-channel when you're building this business. So that's, that's what SellerCon is all about. Um, you're going to be speaking there, which we're, we're super excited about. So what are you going to be talking about? Yeah, I, dude, I, I'm thrilled. It's going to be a ton of fun. And I, and I think that the, the trend in SellerCon is like the trend in e-commerce right now, yeah. right? This, this idea of one channel or one customer acquisition mode is, is that's risky. You know, even yeah. if it is Amazon, like, it's still risky. And so we're finding a lot of our bigger brands, they're they're trying to go in store and their own Shopify store, big commerce or whatever, and marketplace. And so I'm gonna be breaking down like how we're using Google and YouTube to grow both your, your D2C presence, but also grow on Amazon. And so the, the D2C side is gonna be super fun. I'll spend quite a bit of time there. 
But also this, this is a piece that a lot of people are missing who are Amazon sellers using Google to grow on Amazon. And what a lot of people don't know is that Google is still Amazon's number one source of traffic. Hmm. And Amazon is the number one advertiser on Google. So nobody spends more money on PPC on Google than Amazon. And so I'll kind of break down some strategies. We've got some clients that are spending six figures a month on Google ads directed to their Amazon listings, which is super interesting. And so in, in addition to sending to Shopify or instead of sending to in both. Uh, so in addition, so the, the, the one client I'm thinking of right now, they're, they're doing, they're doing both. Yeah. They're bigger on Amazon than they are on, on Google. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they're spending, you know, uh, over a hundred thousand dollars a month sending Google PPC to their Amazon listings, their storefront and their individual uh, product detail pages. Yeah, that's super interesting. I feel like I'm gonna ask you more stuff about this, but that's what the point of Telecon is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I think I think we. I don't know. I don't know if we're still doing. We were spending like five grand a month on Google Ads, like going straight yeah. to Amazon, and then all the rest was going to Shopify, and that was like yeah. supposedly it helped with ranking, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, we've never you know spent six figures a month just sending people straight to Amazon, which is pretty insane. Yeah, it, it is. And so I think you have to have like there's a couple different strategies or approaches, and I'll, I'll break them down at the at the conference for you know why you'd want to do one one or the other but but yeah i mean i think you know we're seeing d2c only brands file for bankruptcy or getting close to filing for bankruptcy and, and so i think it's just one of those things where like you need to be diversified so if you're all amazon you need to build that shopify store and and get some sales there you need you know if you're just those two you need to look at probably brick and mortar and, and so anyway so I'll, I'll break down how to use google how to use youtube to to really accelerate growth for your brand and and create stable, profitable growth. Yeah, cool. And then for everyone, you're going to be throwing in a bonus for people. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? These are people that yeah. um, get a ticket for in-person attendance of SellerCon. And we're kind of telling people the way you get it is you either pick up your badge <laughs> or if you book a link, uh, uh, book a hotel room using the booking link, which by the time you've done that, we know you're going to show up. Yeah, you don't want to, if you want to get it faster, you can get it that way. Or you just show up, pick up your badge. That'll trigger our, our thing also. But what bonus are you throwing in for people? Yeah. And one, one quick plug on just in-person events. So, you know, we partnered with Ezra Firestone for a long time. I mentioned that we used to partner with Russell Brunson. I met both of them just at events. Like I just, I met him at events and struck up a conversation and we hit it off and ended up doing projects together or whatever. So I'm a huge believer in, in the power of events, the networking, the learning, like the focus time to, to be there. So it's worth it to be there. Um, the price of SellerCon is just stupid cheap, which is great. And then the bonus. So the bonus that we're throwing in, uh, Performance Max. It's a new Google campaign type. Uh, it's very polarizing right now. I'm, I'm seeing people in e-commerce forums that hate it. Uh, I've heard it called performance meh instead of performance max. Uh, I know some people that love it. We've spent to date uh, kind of between five and six million just on that campaign type kind of in the last, I don't know, six to 12 months, something like that. Uh, we've seen mostly positive results. It is the number one campaign type for a lot of our scaling brands. So some, some brands are spending you know, four or five or 600,000 a month on, on Google ads. Performance max is, is their winning campaign type. So anyway, mm -hmm. I created a blueprint in partnership with with Ezra and Molly at Smart Marketer. It's, you know, how to understand, how to look at Performance Max, how to launch your first campaigns. It retails for 397. That's what Smart Marketer sells it for, but it will be uh, totally free for you if you show up, pick up a badge or or book the hotel. It'll be free for you, so that will be worth the ticket cost and then some 
but yeah, I'm pr- pretty excited about that. Pretty excited that Ezra and Molly agreed to do it. It's, it's my training, but it's through partnership with them. And so, so yeah, it should be a great bonus. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right, Brett. So I know you're a busy guy. You've got all these <laughs> employees to manage, kids, all that sort of stuff. So I appreciate you taking yeah. time to do this. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, Matt. Tons of fun and looking forward to seeing you in Austin.